today on the Word Preacher Podcast. Five questions. Forgiveness and the stone cut out of the mountain. I'm Brett Jensen and this is the Word Preacher Podcast. Come Follow Me material for this coming week will bring us to sections 64 through 66 in the Doctrine and Covenants. Um, we're going to not do those in chronological order. We're going to start actually with section uh, 66 and talk about these five questions asked by William E. McClellan. Now, William E. McClellan uh, McClellan joined the church in 1831, and he traveled to Hiram, Ohio, where he met the prophet Joseph Smith. Now, in secret, he had asked the Lord, just in prayer, five questions. And without providing these questions, he decided that he would um, ask the prophet Joseph Smith what God's will was for him. Now, we don't know what those questions are, uh, we know that he sort of asked this as a test to see if if Joseph truly were a prophet of the Lord. Um, but what we do know is that section 66, we have the resulting revelation uh, that Joseph received. Um, even though it doesn't specifically identify what the questions were, we do know that according to his own account, the account of William E. McClellan, the section answered his questions to his, quote, full and entire satisfaction. Um, and this is significant because even though he struggled at various times, he would later be excommunicated and then rejoin the church and uh, become a member of the Quorum of the Twelve. And then later he would leave the church and not come back. Ultimately, in the end, he went with some splinter groups. But even after having permanently left the church, he stated that he considered section 66 evidence of Joseph's prophetic calling, which he could not refute. I think that's a fascinating um, witness for this uh, otherwise almost unremarkable section, that this uh, was an answer to someone's individual prayer that the prophet himself did not really know how it answered. And we don't even answer, but even after leaving the church, he assured us it did. One of the important lessons, I think, even though this section was kind of offered as a test, perhaps even because it was offered as a test, is the idea that um, we as individuals really do not sure our place in the kingdom of God by running things through tests, by rigorous research. That doesn't mean that, you know, knowledge and reason can't improve behavior, because sometimes it can. A person who sees somebody who touches a hot stove and gets burned can reason, boy, maybe it's a bad idea if I do that, or, you know, uses heroin or something like that. You can use reason and improve your behavior. But in the end, the type of development for which our mortality was engineered is not dependent 
on us having our curiosity satisfied, or prophets passing tests, or recognizing the answers to five of our questions, or any kind of sign that we might receive. The core essence of what we want must be changed by a combination of faith and penitence. Even people who are very young or inexperienced, people who are not knowledgeable, they are capable of accomplishing great things through faith in Christ. And this is important because if your priority is to, is to have long conversations, to get to better understanding, to scrutinize the nuances of prophetic counsel, or other similar intellectual exercise, you will find yourself with similar struggles as William E. McClellan. First, have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. First, repent. Keep these principles first every day. And when faith and penitence are correctly prioritized, other questions will fall into place. Any other prioritization, anything that has us put faith and penitence below some other aspiration could be called lazy learning. All right, let's talk about forgiveness. Let's go back to section 64 and uh, let's have some reading in verses 5 through 11. And the keys of the mysteries of the kingdom shall not be taken from my servant Joseph Smith, Jr., through the means I have appointed, while he liveth, inasmuch as he obeyeth mine ordinances. There are those who have sought occasion against him without cause. Nevertheless, he has sinned. But verily I say unto you, I, the Lord, forgive sins unto those who confess their sins before me, and ask forgiveness who have not sinned unto death. My disciples in days of old sought occasion against one another and forgave not one another in their hearts. And for this evil they were afflicted and sorely chastened. Wherefore I say unto you that ye ought to forgive one another. For he that forgiveth not his brother his trespasses standeth condemned before the Lord. For there remaineth in him the greater sin. I, the Lord, will forgive whom I will forgive. But of you it is required to forgive all men. And ye ought to say in your hearts, let God judge between me and thee, and reward thee according to thy deeds. All right. There's a show that I watch, um, usually when I can kind of watch multiple episodes, on the CW called The Flash. Uh, and it's based on the DC comic superhero Barry Allen, the fastest man alive, the superhero The Flash. Um, in this portrayal, in this TV show, he is a really likable character, particularly in the first couple of seasons, because he tries to see the best in others and encourages himself and those around him to be their best. This is a great show. Um, in the course of the show, a new character is added to Team Flash, whose name is Ralph Dibney. 
who also has a superpower. You can kind of stretch. If you think of like Elastigirl from The Incredibles, as sort of like that. His name is the Elongated Man. Anyway, his character starts out as a complete loser who has compromised his standards and his habits to deal with the difficulties in his life. And even though it's kind of predictable what's going to happen, Team Flash helps Ralph to develop a sense of selflessness and goodness. Frequently, the mechanism for helping him to do this is to forgive him to allow him to have opportunities to be the best that he can be, even though he has failed in the past, without holding his past mistakes over his head constantly. And sure, he has made some dumb decisions in the past. He's even said and done things that have hurt others. But they forgive him anyway. Now, I bring this up because the actor who plays this character, Ralph Dibney, uh, his name is Hartley Sawyer. Um, and it was discovered last year that, uh, similar to the character he played, ironically, he had said and, and some dumb, hurtful things in his past. Now, when I found out about this, I guess I sort of expected a similar degree of grace would be extended toward the same person in real life who had changed for the better. But this was not the case. He was fired and removed from the show. There was no forgiveness. And it's a stark contrast um, when we look at Hollywood and show business in general. There is a lot of, of inertia behind many of the people in charge who want to cancel those who have said or done something wrong uh, in some of the content that they produce. Um, because this is, uh, because when they actually make shows, they actually do promote forgiveness. But in real life, they tend not to. Flash is not the only story with characters who forgive one another in the fictional world. Recently, I also watched a Disney animated film, Raya and the Last Dragon. And without spoiling, I will say that the film portrays forgiveness in a very positive light. If you've seen an older 3D animated Disney film, Meet the Robinsons, quite underrated, I would add, this also explores the healing that can occur when we let go of the past and keep moving forward. Particularly one character who had blamed the protagonist for a lot of things realizes he needs to let go of that and and move ahead. It's a, it's a great film. Uh, and it's not just that. In Endgame, the Avengers come together in spite of the difficulties that they've experienced during the Civil War story. Uh, Star Wars films tackle the theme of redemption, even for people who have done truly awful things like Anakin Skywalker. Avatar The Last Airbender, an animated series, has a very moving scene in which a character, Uncle Iroh, freely forgives the wayward Prince Zuko. In fact, if we think about it, forgiveness dominates many good stories. And it's because intuitively, 
we all understand that we are guilty and that we crave forgiveness. It's difficult for me to read the story of the prodigal son that was given by the Lord Jesus Christ himself without feeling a strong sense of emotion kind of tied to that prodigal son. And the same thing is true when I hear the words of that old Tim, Come thou fount of every blessing. The verse that reads, Oh, to grace, how great a debtor, daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. The greatest hero who has ever lived is the one who was able to put aside all of the stupid things that we have all done, all of the things for which he personally suffered, and invite us, in spite of those things, to come back to him. It is he who reminds us of you. It is required to forgive all men. All right, let's talk about the stone cut out of the mountain. Reading in section 65. Hearken and lo, a voice as of one sent down from on high, who is mighty and powerful, whose going forth is unto the ends of the earth, yea, whose voice is unto men. Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. The keys of the kingdom of God are committed unto man on the earth, and from thence shall the gospel roll forth unto the ends of the earth, as the stone which is cut out of the mountain without hands shall roll forth until it has filled the whole earth. Yea, a voice crying, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, prepare ye the supper of the Lamb, make ready for the bridegroom. Pray unto the Lord, call upon his holy name, make known his wonderful works among the people. Call upon the Lord that his kingdom may go forth upon the earth, that the inhabitants thereof may receive it, and be prepared for the days to come, in the which the Son of Man shall come down in heaven, clothed in the brightness of his glory, to meet the kingdom of God, which is set upon the earth." So that's verses 1 through 5. Now, the reference in verse 2 of section 65 is to a dream that was given to King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon and interpreted by the prophet Daniel without even knowing the dream, the account of which is in Daniel chapter 2 in the Old Testament. Um, we will cover that when we study the Old Testament in greater detail, but for now, in it, he saw an image with a head of gold, chest and arms of silver, a belly of brass, legs of iron, and feet that were part iron and part clay. And then he saw a stone that was cut out of a mountain without hands, and that stone rolled and smote the image on its feet, and the image broke into fine dust and blew away, vanishing. The stone remained and became a great mountain and filled the earth. Now, the interpretation of that dream gave a sequence of great kingdoms 
beginning with Nebuchadnezzar at the head. The Babylonians, Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom, they eventually were defeated by another empire, the Persians, the Medes and Persians. Um, later, the Persians fell to Alexander the Great and the Greeks. And later, the Greeks were conquered by the Romans, who were strong as iron. But ultimately, the Romans divided into two kingdoms as two legs. The kingdoms that formed after the fall of Rome still partly clung, clung to some of the strength of the old empire, but were all partly broken and fought amongst themselves. And in the days of these kings, the, the prophecy said, the God of heaven would, without the hands of men, cut something out of a mountain, something not made of precious material, not gold or silver, not brass or iron, simple stone. But he would empower this stone so that it would overcome the borders and powers of the old kingdoms and spread throughout the whole earth. In short, this prophecy refers to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It is therefore our role to prepare the way of the Lord, or to make his paths straight. Now that's important, because it means that the Church should be influencing the world, not the reverse. We're not trying to petition the church to get with the times or to embrace new ideas for a new generation. The times, rather, need to get with the Lord. The new generation needs to return to timeless truths. This effort begins in your own home, with yourself and your family. You can help the kingdom of God to fill the earth by making it fundamental to your home, to your worship, and correctly prioritized in your life. In the end, the kingdom of heaven will meet the kingdom of God which is set upon the earth. If you want to be a part of it, you must establish the kingdom of God around your part of the earth. In the end, we all need forgiveness. Let go of grudges and pains and move forward toward Jesus Christ. In the end, all your questions will be answered if you first have faith, repent, and accept Jesus Christ in your life. We appreciate all the support for the Word Preacher podcast. Uh, next week, we will look at sections 67 through 70, describing how God stands by his prophets. Of course, there's a ton that we did not cover in this week's reading. Please study this individually and with your family. And as always, fight on.